Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Also Sport Podcast. We look back on the final day of the Barcelona Formula One test and ask what we've learned about the season to come. Lewis Hamilton ended the fourth and final day of the first Barcelona Formula One test on top, setting a best time of 1 minute 19.333 seconds using the medium compound Pirellis. That put him ahead of Stoffel van Dorn, second fastest for McLaren, using the Hypersoft Pirellis, a 1 minute 19.854. We finally got some dry running today, so we got a little bit more information about who's hot and who's not going into the season. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to dissect the goings-on in the first test First, I have Lawrence Barreto. Now, Lawrence, this is a momentous day indeed, for this is your final Autosport podcast. This is the last one indeed, yes, my final day Autosport, and you've invited me on for the final final one. Thank you. Explain yourself. Where can Lawrence Barreto fans find the musings of Lawrence Barreto? Uh, They'll soon be able to find the musings of Lawrence Barreto on Formula1.com. Joining me also is Gary Anderson. Now, Gary, you're the master of testing analysis. What have we learned? Um, I think the best test we did uh, over the whole week was to have uh, lunch at Pirelli. So we had Italian cuisine and we had lunch at Renault, which was French cuisine. And I have to say the French cuisine comes out just that little bit on top. 
It was absolutely delicious, and thank you very much to Brennan for doing that. But as far as the cars are concerned, um, yeah, we've learned we've learned quite a lot, to be honest. You know, I mean, it's all hidden in the undergrowth somewhere. Um, but you, it's one of these sort of situations where it's very, very difficult to keep a fast car to make a fast car go slow. You know, normally you give the car its head. The driver loves to drive quickly, so if the car flows and it's all good stuff, you know, you get on with it. Um, and I've done a bit of a performance analysis, which will be on uh, the Autosport website. Um, and it's one of those sort of things where really, you know, because of the conditions, because of the knowledge of the new sets of tyres, um, because of the not knowing what fuel loads cars and that are running, we've had to do a few oddball figures to try and sort things out a little bit. But the Red Bull looks pretty strong. Um, Mercedes are right in there as well. And Ferrari... They never progressed in the test, is the best way of putting it. You know, on the first day they had a good car. It looked very good. It was quick. Um, but as the test went by, they never progressed the way some of the others did. So I think they've got a bit of work to do. Um, and then the midfield bunch, um, well, that could be anybody really. It's, you know, it's tenths of a second between them all. So that's going to be a real, real battle for that fourth position in the championship. And um, who's going to come out on top of that? It's the one that can keep their cool longest, develop the best. Um, so it's going to be a tough season, I think, for everybody, to be honest, because it's, it's going to be pretty close. And Lawrence, talking about Red Bull, I think you heard from Max Verstappen today. He obviously had the, the off earlier in the day. So so what does Max feel about, about Red Bull's chances? Generally, he feels pretty positive. Um, he, like many other drivers, didn't want to give anything away too early. They, they accept that they haven't had that much running this week. And a lot more there's a lot more to come from next week um apart from that incident where he had a what he described as a hiccup when he ended up in the gravel and there was a bit of a gearbox glitch um which they're looking into as well and they had a, a fuel leak i think earlier in the in the day as well which was their second of the test apart from that he was pretty pretty happy with the car the potential i think of the car uh, and he thinks that or he feels that that bodes well bodes well for the future well gary how about the Renault engine side we know the chassis good. The drivers seem happy. Yes, um, chassis-wise, I mean Renault is a works team. Obviously, they've got their 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 own chassis, and they're trying to sort of, I suppose you could call it, catch up with Red Bull to prove that they are a real works team. Uh, Engine-wise, the the McLaren, um, the Renault works team, and Red Bull have all got the same specification engine. So there is a good measure, I suppose, as to who's got the best chassis because the engines are now. The FIA have come out with this new regulation where the engines are all supposed to be run to the same specification. So the same software, um, everything has to be basically the same. It'll never quite be like that because each team has its own way of deploying that energy uh, where you use it on the circuit for the best lap time and the best way of harvesting the energy to uh, charge up the battery pack. So every team will have its own little way of doing that. And it depends on the car's characteristics of you know, harvesting, for example, um, it's all done on the rear axle on the way into the corner. Um, and it depends on whether your car's got a sort of nervous rear end on the entry of the corner or not, whether you can harvest just as much. So there will be differences still, but at least with three teams running the Renault engine, there'll be a, a good measure for them. But um, I think going back to Red Bull, what disappointed me about them was they started this, this test very, very strongly. The, the runs on Monday by Daniel Ricciardo were, were very, very good. Um, and they got worse um, in reliability stakes. Two fuel leaks, 
Um, they had a, a sort of a lot of work they did on the, uh, the what we call the vertical side pod um, turning vanes, whether they were falling off or whether they were not working as they thought. But a lot of analysis was done, a lot of running was done, but taking them off and putting them back on again. Um, and then today is again they had a gearbox glitch and, and Max put it in the gravel trap. So they lost a lot last year by making silly mistakes, and they really, really need to be careful this year because you know you can't afford to do that against a team like Mercedes or Ferrari because you know they just keep on knocking in the points, and once it gets away from you, you, you just can't catch up. But despite the fact that we have Red Bull looking in, in good shape, it does seem, Lawrence, that Mercedes are perhaps the team that, as they've been throughout this era of, of regulations, has the reason to be happiest. Hamilton was was fastest on on normal lap times, non adjusted lap times, and you know, the the car seems to be there. So it, the 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 smart money, I guess, is is probably on them, given that the Red Bull does have this question mark over the power unit package. When uh, Sebastian Vettel was asked the inevitable question, "Who do you think is favourite for for the year?" He was, he was like, "Well, Mercedes, obviously." And Max was asked the same question. He was like, "Well, Mercedes won the last four World Championships, so why wouldn't they be the favourites?" And again, I think the general perception within at least the people that I've spoken to is that Mercedes do look very, very comfortable at this stage. Now, one interesting thing, the Mercedes versus Ferrari battle, there's a lot of talk coming into the season about whether Mercedes might change their concept and go for a high-rake approach. They've gone for very slightly higher rake compared to what they had before, but nothing game-changing. Ferrari seems to have gone more aggressive. Now, you were watching on the main straight, on the approach to Turn 1 shortly before the braking area, and had a few interesting observations about how automatically going high rake doesn't necessarily solve all your troubles um no it doesn't i mean the, the high rake situation is so that you get more front grip um in sort of medium and low speed corners because the car attitude is high at the rear and low at the front which means the front wing works closer to the ground which means it gives you front more front downforce but if you look through those three top cars um the mercedes the the red bull and the ferrari red bull you know they've always run extreme amounts of rake but the aerodynamic concept has to be such that, that it can cope with all that. And whenever you look at that car coming down the straight, right at the end of the straight, they're doing like 202, 203 miles an hour, and just before they hit the brake pedal. And you look at the car, and it's very flat. So the rear stiffness springs and that's holding it up, and the amount of rake they've got and the amount of downforce they've got is pushing the car to be flat. If you look at the Mercedes, which doesn't, run as much rake, in other words, the rear right height, the rear right height from static in the pit lane isn't as high. Um, they're actually lower at the rear than the front. And that's the best thing for drag. Uh, that's that's the most efficient way to run the car down the straight. Um, but if you look at the Ferrari, who was trying to do that today, their rear right height at the end of the straight is still higher than the front by a long way. And what I noticed today was the Ferrari was struggling with rear grip on the corner entry. And that lead, you know, that same problem leads to it because they've got more front grip by having the car, the rake on the car. But at the minute, the car I saw today didn't need that more front grip. So they're probably experimenting. You know, this is is called testing, and it's called testing for a reason. You, you go out and try different s- solutions to the problem. But it looks like um, they've got a little bit of work to do to understand the mechanical side of the running the extra rake. It's all right for to run it. F- for the aerodynamic reasons, but you've also got to run it for the mechanical. You've got to get the mechanical set up to, to accept that um, extra rake and how that changes how the, the attitude of the car. Well, I think, Gary, we've got a bit of a feel for who the top three are. 
you mentioned the mid-pack is pretty close and hard to call, and obviously that battle for fourth has been pretty tight in terms of performance, at least in, in recent years, even though Force India has been been relatively comfortable in the end in, in securing it. So if you had to pick somebody now, who do you think is best placed to be to be fourth, and how close is that battle going to be? That's going to be a tough one because, you know, yeah, the battle at the front is going to be intense, but um, the midfield battle consists of probably four teams, you know, and I'd say right now that McLaren will probably come out on top of that battle, um, and the reason for that is because of their their uh, commitment, depth, size, you know, manpower, all that stuff. But between them and Renault is going to be the Renault Works team as such is going to be a, a big a big battle, and you know, that's what we're seeing today from the from my times that I sort of tried to um, work out from from what we did. The you know the Renault looks a reasonable package, a reasonable car. But I think the McLaren might just have that bit extra speed in it whenever push comes to shove. The car does look quite decent on the track. Um, I've always criticised McLaren for running the car with too much downforce on it, and it's a bit slow on the straight, which makes it, but it makes it faster around the corners. And some tracks, you know, you can get away with that, and some tracks you can't. Um, and I think McLaren's still heading into that trend, even with a Renault engine. But because they're running a Renault against the Works team and against Red Bull, you know, they'll have a, a, a black and white measure. Last year with the Honda engine, they didn't have that. So they will not be able to stand back and say our chassis is the greatest in the pit lane um, and we're very slow on the straight because the engines have got no power. So they've got to come to terms with that, first of all. But I think if they do do that, I think if they have got a better package, they just need to adapt it to suit the power levels they've got and the best uh, usage of it on the circuit. But to play devil's advocate on that, the McLaren... In the test, have done quite a lot of work on the hypersoft and the supersoft. They tended towards those tyres. I think their argument would be that they're the the lowest temperature working range tyres. Well, the the softer you get in the range, there's kind of a linear progression. The uh, the hard will be the the highest temperature working range, down to the the hypersoft being the the lowest. There's an argument for that. But no, it, it, if I had to have a punt on it now, I know I tell you what you're saying about potentially McLaren having more. Depth and strength, but Enstone, they've been they've been beefing up that team quite a lot. The car looked looked pretty lively. It was very nice on turning. Perhaps that suggests it's maybe running a little bit less fuel than than some. But it but it looks like a it looks like a very handy package that running slightly better than I expected relative to McLaren. Yeah, I mean I think the battle will be the, the battle will be pretty tough. Um, I just I just got a feeling in the water that the you know McLaren and their their need to recover from the last three years with Honda. Uh, which, you know, they blamed Honda a lot. And I'm not saying Honda were at fault. I'm just saying their, their need to recover from those three years of dismal results means that they will dig deep and, and find solutions, I believe. And I think they might be in a position to overpower Renault a little bit still. Now, Renault have built the team up dramatically and the car looks, you know, it's amazing the difference, the move forward in the last year, I suppose. Um, but the... The, the thing about the tyre situation is, and it's very deceptive because I base a lot of my stuff on on, what, on the visual effects of the car around the corner, how stable it is, how they can get the throttle on and all that stuff. And the softer tyre does make the car look better because it, it offers more grip. Um, but still, I think that McLaren should have the commitment and depth to just maybe just outweigh Renault that little bit for another year. Maybe not for the whole season, but for a little while. Well, whatever happens, I think it should be a pretty interesting battle to follow. Now, Lawrence, mention of Honda there. Now, this is a, an unexpected stat. Take a look at the total mileage. There, the team with the most laps completed in the test is Toro Rosso, 
324 laps with a Honda engine. Now, the Toro Rosso-Honda relationship seems to have started quite encouragingly. The the pace is nothing extraordinary, although it's it's in the spread, which is which is positive. But but how do you think that relationship has begun? I think it's begun very well. I think when you when two parties come together and they both want it to work, it's naturally gonna it's naturally gonna start off happy families. Uh, they're both gonna be nice to each other publicly and try and boost each other's confidence. Same happened with McLaren and Honda when they first started uh, together, and we all saw how that one turned out. But you do get the impression um, that things are going to be a little bit different here. Um, obviously, you've got less pressure um, with Toro Rosso than McLaren. But it seems that Franz Tost, I think Honda, have been particularly impressed with the way that he's kind of dealt with them coming in. He's made what they feel an extra special effort to to get them on board, to um, to look after them, to make them feel as if they're a proper partner. And I think that's actually starting to bear fruit. Um I'm sure, as Gary would tell you, that in terms of the engine and the level at which they're running it early on here, it's probably a much, it's probably a lower level. They don't want to take any risk early on, and that might explain why they've been so reliable uh, this week. But everyone at Honda uh, would be lying, I think, if they said that they weren't surprised with how things, how well things have gone this week. Uh, the staff there are, are delighted. They're really, really pleased with what's happened. Um, and I think, I know the mileage isn't quite what it was last year. Didn't Mercedes clock like more than 500 laps over the first week? So, three, you know, 300 still isn't, isn't brilliant, but to be... But quite... only over three days, really, because, because yeah. of the Wednesday washout. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, but I suppose they still wouldn't have expected to be anywhere near that kind of, that end of the, t- of the mileage charts at the end of the first week. Well, Gary... We had a good chat with James Key, the technical director at Toro Rosso earlier today. Of course, he came up through the the Gary Anderson School of Formula One motoring. He was one. He, you worked with him at, at Jordan for, uh, for for some time. He seems to be very positive about the way this relationship works. Realistic, but speaking to him, there seems to be a, a mutual understanding on that the chassis and the engine form one package, and it does sound like there's a willingness to make compromises on both sides with a view to the, getting the ultimate lap time and performance on track? Well, you have to do that in reality. You know, you have a package, and the package is the car and the engine combined. Um, and James, you know, as I say, I call it the Jordan School of Motoring. Um, he was one of the guys there, very clever little lad. Um, and he actually, during our Honda relationship with Jordan, uh, he was one of the guys that sort of did quite a lot of work for me because we had problems with the engine initially, and we had to point out to Honda that their engine wasn't what they thought it was. It wasn't the best in the pit lane at that point in time. But you have to point it out to them correctly so they understand it, and so they accept it, and so they, you know, the fact that you're not knocking them down, you're actually being constructive. And James is very good at that. And I think that's where the relationship is building because they got, it's not, that they're being dominated by this big team, which was McLaren. They're working with a small team now, and the pressure is different completely. All they've got to do is do a decent job, go away at night with a smile on their face, and that will be such a, such a big thing. Now, you know, we talk about the engine being turned down. They were actually one of the fastest cars in the straight as well. So, you know, last year, if you ever watched a Grand Prix, there wasn't a Grand Prix went past without Fernando Alonso, shouting and screaming about cars just driving past him. Well, he couldn't get past a Toro Rosso with a Honda engine in it at this track because the McLaren wasn't fast enough. So 
it's a, as I say, it's a package. It's an engine and and a chassis package that you get try and get the best out of it. And I think between Toro Rosso and Honda at this point in time, they are working together to achieve that goal, which is the most important part. Before we get too carried away with the Honda side, Lawrence. This has started nicely with Toro Rosso, but like you mentioned, it is the honeymoon period. The fact that Honda's managed to get an engine to testing that, that's reliable and that the two sides seem to be talking to each other, that to me seems like the bare minimum of what you expect. So can we have any reason to expect the whole development curve of that Honda power unit to be better than it's been in recent years? Or is that still the great unanswered question? Can Honda, with a new partner, unlock more from itself? Or will it just have the same old problems that were... They were causing it to not be as competitive as it wanted to be in the past three years. Yeah, we definitely can't say that they're going to go on this steep development curve, uh, just given what's happened in the last few years. I think what we can say is that at least they've had a better start to the year and something that they've not enjoyed in the three years that they've had with McLaren. And and that's a foundation in which that they can build. And, um, you know, they've been chasing their tails for the last three years. Something's gone wrong in pre-season tests and they've just tried to play catch-up. Um, and I had an interview um, with... Uh, Yamamoto son, who's the Honda Motorsport chief, and he talked about how the management changes that they've made, they've brought in uh, two guys who have a different approach to the way that they work, uh, very different to Hasegawa son when he kind of took on both of these roles when they've split into two. And he talks about how um, it's, it's very much man management. He's going to spend more time kind of getting inside the team, working with the, with the engineers and trying to get a, a proper understanding of what's going on. The other thing they wanted to try and do is not to to do too much too quickly. I think with Honda, uh, with McLaren last year, they were under so much pressure to bring updates every race that they just didn't really focus on one thing and do that well. They just did lots of little things and not so well. So I think they've they've learned their lessons, or they're saying they've learned their lessons from last year. And if they can do that and put that into practice, there's no reason why they can't get better. Gary, there's a few teams we haven't talked about. Williams, you having a good look at their car? in the pit lane earlier today? Yeah, I mean, their car, it's a, it's a major difference from last year as far as the uh, the aerodynamic philosophy is concerned, I suppose. Um, lots of, uh, it's a, a cross between what Ferrari ran last year and what um, McLaren, uh, Mercedes ran last year. Um, obviously, re-detailed, re-hashed to suit 2018. But um, I, I, as I keep saying, it's got all the right bits in all the right places. It's getting all those right bits to work together as one. And that's the difficult task. I mean, it's just you've got to make sure it all functions as one. And they've got two newish drivers. Lance Stroll obviously did last season, but he's still very young. And um, Sorokin is just coming in. It's good, good pedigree, but you know it takes time. Formula One takes time for people to settle in and understand it. These these cars are phenomenally fast. You know, you watch breaking down at the end of the, the, end of the pit straight at turn one, and you know they're breaking it about eighty meters to go into that first corner. It is unbelievable to see it. I mean, they just just stop so quickly, and to get that all right with very little experience is tough. So for for Williams. You know, all they can do is is put themselves in the right position as far as the car specification is concerned. Then try and optimize it all. On the circuit, the car looks—I w- I would have said the car looks a bit stiff. It's a, it's, it's a bit sort of um, aggressive, I suppose. Whenever you see it moving, it's it's very quick. It's very snappy. Whereas a lot of the other cars have got a little bit more compliance when they move. They, they sort of move a bit slower, allowing the driver more time to sort of catch it and and do something about it. 
But that's te- that's what testing's for. You know, you, you have to go through this this rigmarole, this routine of, of going through all the setup changes and try and end up with the best package to suit your car. And this test has been one of the hardest, I suppose, for most teams. Um, next week, hopefully, will be a whole new deal because it's you know the weather's supposed to be pretty good and pretty consistent. So that's what you need. You need you need decent weather for a reasonable amount of time so you can stop for half an hour, do a setup change, go back out again. And the track hasn't changed dramatically. So uh, this week has been tough for everybody. And the last few teams, Haas, Sauber, Force India. Are you excited about any of those, Lawrence? Well, I'm interested to see what Force India brings. I don't really feel like we have a a good idea of where they are in the packing order. Uh, They've talked about bringing updates or new packages to second week in testing in Australia. So I think of those, the three that you just mentioned, I'm quite excited to see how that will kind of pan out over over the second test in, in Australia. And Gary, Haas, they were six, I think, in your adjusted performance ranking, which I think came as a bit of a surprise to all of us because obviously their car is fairly, I was going to say rudimentary, that's not fair, but they haven't dramatically changed their concept. We've seen teams like Tauber and Williams make big changes, but the Haas seems to be functioning pretty pretty tidily. Well, if you look at last year, when they got it right, it was pretty good. Um, they did, just didn't get it right very often, um, and that's really where Haas have got to get better at is being more consistent, getting the best out of the car on more occasions. Um, because, as I say, Roman Grosjean is one of these guys where he just seems to be that um, he wants to brake later than the car. That adds new problems to to what the, you're trying to do with the setup of the car, and it probably takes you away from getting the best out of the car. Um, Kevin Magnussen, I think, he was driving today and doing a pretty good job. Um, he's a bit more stable than Roman, you know. He's a bit more committed to, I think, driving normally and getting, you know, getting the setup of the car right. So, I think if the team can get more consistent, um, then the package they've taken from 2017 to 2018, they've obviously made it a little bit better. But they haven't confused themselves by making by changing it dramatically. So it might be the best solution for Haas at the moment. Will they get overpowered as the season goes by? Um, probably. But if they get overpowered and they're consistent, um, then I think that they've, they've they've made a major step. So they just have to try and do the best they can. And obviously, again, it's the same old deal. You know, all these bits around the outside of the car that really make the car work are all bolt-on items. So as long as you've got the budget, as long as you've got the manpower, and as long as you can do the manufacturing, you can change them all. So as time goes by, I'm sure we'll see developments that will make the Haas a bit quicker. But say the most important thing for me is that the team get more consistency as far as their performance is concerned. And to complete the set, Lawrence, Sauber, a little bit disappointed in Sauber, to be honest, in this test. I was expecting, given the step they made with their car, they appeared to in terms of the complexity, they might have made a stride forward, but it's looking like quite hard work for them. I remember when I was reading Gary's piece when, um, after the launch and he was saying it's one of the ones where they've changed the concepts and they've gone for something completely different. So I think I was excited to see what, what they would uh, pull out. They've obviously got the latest spec Ferrari engine. They've got this closer partnership with them as uh, with Ferrari as well. So I was really excited to see if they could make that step up. And I think when we had an earlier podcast, I said that they would be slightly higher up in the pecking order. But nothing that I've seen so far has suggested that, that is, um, that's going to happen. But as I said, it's early, early days in the test. They've still got another week of proper running. Like We're going to get some proper weather next week and and i think until the end of that test it's, it's difficult to really say anything too much i guess to sum up gary we've talked a little bit about 
the conclusions we've been able to draw from this test, but you described it in your piece in Autosport Plus, the subscriber area online, that it's the the kind of least clear first test you can remember in terms of getting information because of all these weather problems, etc. So how tenuous really are the conclusions we try to draw? You know, you've you've applied this methodology to trying to read something into the lap times with a huge number of caveats about it because the data's so so poor. But are, are we really at best making educated guesses at the moment whereas normally at this stage in testing we've got a, a reasonable feel well you're i think you're always making educated guesses unless you know exactly what the cars the cars have got fuel loads and whatever um but at the end of the day i think it's better to make that educated guess it's all come from you know from reasonable physics it's all come from looking at things and, and trying to make sure you're within a little bit of a window using the, the right sort of calculations um and as the answers were sort of punched out it doesn't look that far wrong as well so it's it's one of these sort of tricky things you you either say nothing or you have a look at it and try and i believe in having a look at it and try to analyze it a little bit and we end up with what we end up with which was red bull a little bit quicker than mercedes um will that be true on the right day well we've seen it before it can be um why why shouldn't it be again um you know red bull started last season poorly and they know that and they have to start this season strongly and they know that the big thing for me with red bull is as i say the reliability has been a bit of a drama um but as far as the rest of the teams are concerned i think the midfield bunch is going to be a big fight and a tenth of a second could take you from you know qualifying seventh or eighth on the grid to qualify and 12th or 13th on the grid so you've got to have to get your act together every weekend and that's what makes motor racing such a you know such a great sport very well said well whatever happens it does mean that the next test which starts on tuesday another four-day test and then they'll be jetting off to melbourne for the first race of the season there's plenty of interest in that one and and we'll hopefully get a, a clearer picture of what's going on and probably validate quite a bit of what you've already talked about Gary because you, you tend to be on the on the money when it comes to these things so keep an eye on allsupport.com to read all the news and updates both before the test and, and during it next week we'll have our live coverage running throughout the second test as well our plus subscriber area which has all sorts of in-depth features and analysis including Gary's in-depth first test analysis and we've got pieces on the the Toro Rosso Honda progress the the Renault engine side so there's, there's all sorts of stuff to read there to get a little bit more understanding of what's going on and also Autosport magazine out every Thursday plenty of coverage of the of the cars and testing going on in there so thanks very much for joining us and thanks very much Lawrence Barreto for your service to Autosport we'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Chumbacasino.com. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say? Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.